0: A man, a man stands alone at a plate. This is the time for what? For individual achievement. Back, guys, Pull Hitter Podcast, episode 16. You know it's the pull Hitter Podcast because you press play on it, and thank you for doing so. Much appreciated. Today, I'm sitting down with Phil Dussault, a very prominent member in the NFBC community. I had a chance to be in Phil's, uh, one of Phil's main event leagues that he won this year, and it was a uh, pretty impressive display he had in the league we shared, and he has a very sophisticated approach to his um, establishing his player model for his player evaluation system, and it was great to sit down and learn a whole bunch of things um, about the game um, that we love to play. So it's going to be a good listen. You're going to learn a ton of stuff, and yeah, that's what we're here for. We're all here to get better and uh, continue to grow as fantasy baseball players. So, without further ado, here is uh, my episode with Phil thank you all right guys welcome back to the pull hitter podcast i am here today with phil duso a prominent member of the nfbc community um phil had a fantastic year this year and um it's a pleasure to have him on talking baseball with me and here he is phil tell us how you did this year in every league huh come on congratulations (laughs) man (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a great year i won three of my six mains i had two other ones that finished second and third last one we won't talk about because it was a disaster <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then i won uh one of my high stakes uh draft champions which was for a thousand dollar entry fee um and that yeah. one came down to about half a point so um cutting it close but uh season end on, ended on the right day
0: so yeah you you were telling me you had some nail biters huh point point uh half a point wins in the last uh, day
1: yeah one of my mains came down to uh one save i actually was leading then uh the guy who was in second got a save from cesar valdez and then alex uh, reyes came through with a five out save uh pretty much the last game that was going on uh and pushed me back right on just in front so
0: isn't that funny? All the draft capital we spend on all these players and Alex Reyes and Cesar Valdez yeah. <laughs> swung, like swung, like swung such a huge, you know, shift in, in money and, and place. That's, that's so crazy. It's awesome. I love fantasy baseball just, just for that reason, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You couldn't yeah, have you scripted
1: that. I, sure I was starting in the last, uh, last week, he's, he wasn't really supposed to close, but I'm feeling, ah, he might get three, four innings. The Cardinals have a bunch of games, had some double headers. So, even if he's not the main closer they might give him one save so i figured out let's give it a shot and it worked out he's the guy that pushed me uh got me in front that,
0: that was a kind of a uh uh a good thing about the double headers we were able to speculate on some of the closers that you know maybe we could see their bullpen use and say all right so this guy you know he might get get in because obviously the closer can't do both games unless you're Ryan Presley. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's Especially awesome. the Cardinals, they had sometimes nine or ten games in seven days. So you like Miller, Gallegos, uh, and then Reyes at the end uh, could have been worth it if if you timed it right.
0: You know, it was so funny. We were, we were so caught up in it, and then, but now that you mention it, and you say it once, the season is in the posting. Like they played nine or ten games in one week. Like. Yeah. It, 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 it was fascinating. I, I, am I'm, I'm happy they made it through. I'm happy baseball was able to make it this far. And like those teams got a chance to play their games and, you know, players got a chance to earn and, you know, it, it was good. It was positive thing, but nine or 10 games in one week, pretty crazy, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty crazy. So out of, so out of all those winning teams, did you have a team that like you're most like proud of or happy of, like maybe uh, a team that like, you know, had like a late, season surge or that maybe you weren't thinking you know might end up in that top you know one two or three
1: uh my favorite one was my my second main i call that robot m2 um <laughs> it, it's easy to say now to finished the highest in the overall finished 26th uh but back in probably mid to late august i had three teams in the main between about 50 and 100 overall but when i looked at my teams i looked at this one and it was the only one that had a real shot. Uh, I had my two close, I had Jansen and Rosenthal, and I had six starters that I could start every week, no matter the matchup. Um, so, and then it got a crazy run last week of, of August. It was first overall for about a day, maybe a day and a half. Wow. Um, <laughs> wish I could have stayed up there longer. Uh, but at the end, my starters were great, my closers were great, but my, uh, my top two hitters were Yelich and Baez and never came through, so. Um, those are the ones that hurt me in the end. So I didn't, uh, like after I was up there for a week and a half where I thought a real, I had, where I thought I had a real shot, but then I just moved back down and, uh, just focused on, on the league itself. Yeah. It uh, was fun to to be up there first for, to see my name up there for a day and a half. It was fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I know, I know, I know that you were in that spot because that was the same main event that I was in. And um so when I was peaking and that was a surge, you you know, you cause I remember you were kinda like um maybe third or fourth in our league and then you just just shot the fuck up like and it, it it was like, Okay, yeah, this team is uh is taking off. We ended up with the same amount of hitting points, but we're not yeah. even gonna talk about how many more pitching points you had. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, that's uh it was you know, when, when you just look around and look at rosters, just hearing that like six starters, you know, I was struggling to just even stream a couple and then losing, you know, losing the stream bids and uh it's tough. It really was um a pivotal type of um way to, you know, start your team, you know, with that.
1: Yeah, those pitches, like, right? it, it was a weird year because I, I, like we we're all looking for starters in my other teams. I was looking for starters all year long, but in that one I had Gilito, Maeda, Carrasco, Wheeler, and then Happ and Gosman. Uh, Gosman was pretty good from the start and then Happ came, started playing well in late August, early September and he had like a 2.5 ERA I think in his last six starts. So I had those six guys and I was starting every week and I didn't have that on any of my other teams and when you don't have to worry about fabbing for starters i, I had one open spot and i just put in middle reliever um guys like reyes Gallegos, things like that barlow at some point hoping for maybe a lucky save uh but i had i was keeping seven or eight uh sorry like one starter on my bench just in case something COVID came up but i had six hitters that i could stream on my bench so that's why my if you look at the hitters I drafted, it was horrible. Machado was pretty much my only good one. Uh, and then Santander later, but like, I was just, I had six bench spots. So I'd pick up guys playing four games Monday, Thursday, had a bunch of Cardinals who had five, six games sometimes. So, um, right. that's why in the end I was able to be average in, in average in hitting despite drafting bad hitters.
0: Right. You're absolutely right. You definitely nailed uh, a, a whole bunch of, um, picks and, Um, I was was real impressed by your um, ability to grab like your, like the two or $3 guys consistently that, you know, like, I'm like, what's this guy going to do this weekend? You know, it, it it gave you what you needed, you know, on your roster. And that's, that's huge. Did you think that um, with a shorter uh, season, obviously the standings were more bunched up and um, we were talking in the last part about this with Toby and Bubba, like how, Um, because the standings were so much more condensed, like, you know, like teams were in it at the end and more involved. Um, Did you get that feeling like there was a lot more competition at the end of this year as opposed to a full season?
1: Yeah, for sure. Usually in September when football season starts, if you're in seventh or eighth place, usually a lot of people will give up uh so fab yeah. becomes easier instead of having to compete with 14 other teams in fab it's sometimes five six seven eight teams uh but this year when football started it was halfway through the season and pretty much everyone was still in it except maybe a couple teams at the bottom so um right. like a normal year you might get in the league of 15 80, 85% of the FAB budget ends up being spent, but this year I'm guessing we'll put to 90, 95% because everyone was trying to spend it and was in it until mid-September.
0: Right, right. Great point. Yeah, it was, um, it was fascinating because obviously I, I don't have any experience with the full season yet, so this is my first dive into the main event and, um, it, it, it was intense, you know, through every week, you know, everyone was involved. And I feel like everyone was still trying to make moves and, you know, stay competitive and be, you know, stay respectful and understanding. But yeah, you're always going to get those people who tap out for football. Absolutely. It's going to be weird,
1: though, next year, because this year, the season felt long so it was such a rush for two months. It felt long, but it wasn't. So going back, if we get a full season, a six-month season next year, it's going to be so hard to go back to that and sort of, okay, you don't have to spend your FAB budget right now. There's six months left. If your guy's hurt for four weeks, it doesn't matter. You just keep him on your bench. This year, if a guy was hurt for four weeks, you dropped him right away because it was half the season. Um, I know. So it's really weird going back to that.
0: I'm going to have, like, recency bias on, like, FAB bids and just do, like, you know. (laughs) <laughs> You're right. Just like you spend it too quick because, you know, what what we're used to um, trying to grab these guys with some crazy pits. It, it, it was fun seeing that, though. It was uh, it was an experience for sure. So how long have you been in the uh, playing in the NFBC? Or actually, you know what? Let me ask you how long you've been playing fantasy sports, baseball, football?
1: football. Uh, for fantasy baseball, it's the same answer as for NFBC. It started in 2017. So it was my fourth season and the first year I started, never played fantasy baseball. I'm going to join two main events. So, (laughs) wow, man, I started right away with the, with the big boys in the main event. Um, but I I'd been playing fantasy football for about like home league. I started when I was seven years old, I think with my dad and my brother. Um, and then when I was in college, I built my own fantasy football website, uh, which I did for about three years. Um, it it was fun. It was basically a summer job, which earned me a few thousand every, every, every summer. Um, I learned about doing that. Uh, And then I've been playing high stakes fantasy football probably since, since then for the past 15 years or so. Gotcha. Uh, But then I got a a discover fantasy baseball four years ago and now I like it so much better than football.
0: (laughs) It, It really is. Right. I mean, it's, and I just love like, Obviously, there's still a lot out of our hands, but it's, you know, it's throw the ball, hit the ball, as opposed yeah. to, you know, what play is going to be called, what's the quarterback going to do, who's it going to, it's, there's so many other variables, and it's it's so cool, being able to dig into baseball way better, and um, yeah, I, I like baseball way better. I, I'm a,
1: I'm a, I have a math background, so uh, I love stats. So for baseball, when you have hitter versus pitcher, it means something. It, you can just look at those stats. You can get real data from that. In football, it depends. You can look at stats all you want. But it, if the coach doesn't want to put your guy in, it's too bad and you can't do anything about it. Whereas right. in baseball, you know, there's going to be nine hitters every game. You know, five starters per team are going to play. So more players have, have a chance to play. So it's up to you to find out which ones will overperform overperform what other people think they'll do. So, right. uh, whereas right. in football, it depends what the coach does. So,
0: right. And it's the, obviously the only other commonality is, uh, that football that has a constant is to have the same field. And I, I've always marveled like how baseball just doesn't have the same dimensions. You know, it's like yeah. every other sport is played within the same, you know dimensions in baseball is different you know and maybe that's what makes it so much more special you know but uh it definitely makes for interesting speculation when we're, when we're looking at power but that's pretty impressive man you just got started in fantasy baseball and you're you're already slaying out there it's pretty pretty impressive no it's a, it's uh definitely really something to think about when you know obviously people say oh i've never played before but you know goes to show you put in some serious work and you can turn that around and become successful. That's, that's it awesome.
1: Helps. I played fantasy before. So I, with fantasy football, I understood the game, understood how it works. I was reading about concepts. I knew what it meant, but the advantage is since I'd never played fantasy baseball, I had, I'm like, I'm going to follow the numbers. It doesn't matter what people have done before, what the trends are. I didn't have any bad, bad habits. So, um, uh, my first year, uh, in the main, I started with four pitchers, um, two starters and two close. I think with Sale, Kluber, Jansen, and might have been Chapton or someone else. Uh, and at first I actually finished 12th overall in the main um, with that team. But someone who would have looked at my team said, what the hell is this guy doing? He's drafting two starters, which no one was doing back, or very few people were doing back four years ago. Now it's, the pocket aces are become more common, but it's just – The numbers told me that, so I didn't care what other people were doing or that no one really did that Um, before. I would just, I'll listen to what my numbers say and then uh, it it worked out that first year. Second year was different, but my, my first year was a good one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I guess we need a little something to keep us honest. Like you said, you yeah. had one bad team, you know that. You want, but that's, you know, I guess even even the robot needs like a little bit of a human element, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's, you know, that's that's great that you brought up that you had no bad habits because that's really something that just gets people. um Obviously, you know, it, it messes with our fantasy team management all the time. But you're right. That's that's an interesting look because. Um, I don't, I don't know how I would do that because obviously I'm not so like, um, and you know, um, advanced as you are on the, you know, doing, doing your models, but you know, and you have to be at a certain level. I remember you talking about this a long time ago on the bubble show, um, talking about like you, you know, you're not the kind of guy who can see like, oh, that's a nice slider or that's an effective pitch. But, you know, I feel like maybe too, a lot of people overestimate their ability to see that you know, because they've been watching baseball for so long, but they still really don't understand what, you know, is effective. But like you said, in the data, the numbers show you, you know, who separates themselves from each other. And that's, that's an interesting point.
1: Yeah. I I know you can gain something from scouting players. I just don't have that skill. Someone who has a math background and has the ability to see, um, something when they're watching players, it obviously a lot better. But I'm sort of the way it works in fantasy baseball, since in the main, since there's 15 teams, it doesn't matter if you miss on a guy like my, my models every year. I'm not high on Grinky or Hendricks. Um, are exceptions. They're one of the few, They're two of the few pitchers that have better ERA than their metrics show. And they've done it for four or five years. Um, but I'm not going to lose the league because I wasn't on those guys. Um, right. There's so many players available, so I'm, I just focus on I'll find 20, 25, 30 starters that my model likes, that my metrics like, that I'm not concerned too much about injuries, and I'm going to draft those guys. I don't care what the other starters do. Um, I'm just confident in these 30 guys that when you average out their stats at the end of the year, they're going to beat their ADP. Um, and that's what my model tells me they're going to do. So it doesn't matter if I miss out on other guys who can't have FOMO. Uh, Cause then, <laughs> if you right. want, if you want to get, if you love, like high velocity, you want to get every guy who throws ninety eight, because he could break out if everything goes right, all that stuff. I mean, you're going to be on every guy, and you won't know who right. to draft. But,
0: um, like, like a Luzardo, that's the FOMO of this year, right? It's someone yeah. like that, where you know, you you can. I'm sure you had tons of other guys you could turn to, but you know, people didn't want to miss out on his four or five inning specialty.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he, he could and he does. Great for people who have him, but it, the likelihood, there, right? The... Twenty-two other players on your starting roster, every team. So right. I have twenty-two other spots to make up the gap if I miss out on on that one guy. So right. that's sort of the way I see it. Focus on players that are comfortable drafting that fit what you usually do and that you know works. And then who cares if you miss out on one guy? It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good look. I like that because. Um, I think I think some, um I was at a point where I was too um, too too aware of the risk assessment. Like I was like not I was just concentrating too much on not rostering a lot of risk. And I think that's a great point because you you know it, I always used to hammer myself down in my head like you know don't draft in don't take any chances, but we'll take to take, take enough chances. But I like the way you put that though. Like, the so one guy, you, you know, you're going to get that. You're going to get over that because you, you know, you can work around that. That's, I like that. That's a, that's like he, to,
1: even Bieber this there, he was that the one guy that won leagues for a lot of people. Right. I, I had him in, in one of my DCs. and I don't think I, that's not even the one that, that one, um, in my mains, I didn't have him in any of my mains cause I didn't like him for, I don't know. He just didn't feel fit the profile, but it doesn't matter. I want three mains, even though I didn't have three Bieber in any, in any of them. So um, you don't have to have to draft every breakout guy. It doesn't matter if you miss out on some players, you can make it up elsewhere um, if you feel good about the guys you were drafting. Awesome. I
0: love it. Good point. That's a great point about not having what, uh, you know, a lot of people had him on their roster that won and you were able to pull it off, you know, like you said, without... Without having, that's pretty. That's pretty good. So, do do you enjoy the uh, the main the most out of the format on the NFPc?
1: Yeah, I do. It. Yeah. I mean, it's the one everyone talks about. It's. It feels like, if you win the main event, you've made it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I so mean, and and you've reached a, a a pretty impressive list. You know, obviously they they had on their forum the list of guys who have won multiples in years and. Um, it was pretty impressive, you know, to, yeah, you know, three, and you know that's nice. That's a that's a yeah, that's a big time group.
1: Country, so it's always nice to yeah. Be, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, right, right, right. It's that's excellent, man. That's that's really impressive. That's that's really good. Um, uh, I'm I'm proud. I'm proud of you guys. You guys really like you know take your time. No, I'm saying you know you put your time in and you trust what the the way you play and um, the results show. You know that. You, you do like you're doing it right. Yeah. Amen. For, for <laughs> someone who's
1: starting out though, the the main is, I mean, it's the, I think the toughest competition, Right. Um, but if you want to build a bankroll, it's not ideal because um, I think half of your entry fee goes to the overall. So um, when you win, it's nice, but you only win I think four times your money, which is good, but like it's one out of 15 and you only win four times your money. If you do beat 14 other people, cause a lot of money goes to the overall. So, um, if you if you're starting out, look at the sometimes main event qualifiers or the lower money, uh the DCs, the OCs, um, or there's a bunch of standalone leagues as well where uh you have better chance of doubling your money or things like that. Um,
0: right, right. that's why yeah. even
1: like it, this year was different because the main was the big one, but I I did some uh thousand thousand dollar DCs uh where I think twelve thousand out of fifteen thousand goes to the prize pool for the league. So right. um, that's right. where it's easier to make more money. Um, and that's then,
0: a, yeah. They
1: that's also, a very good had, point. Um, they didn't do it this year, but last year I did a 1500 uh, online championship. And since most of on, the other online are 350, um, I think out of 1500, there's only 100 of it that goes to the overall or something like that, 100 or 150, whatever it is. Uh, so you basically treat it like a standalone league. So I like to do. Couple different ones. Ones where you treat a standalone, where you don't have to ne- necessarily push up saves or steals or things like that, and then do the main event where you go, you go for the overall and, and hope for the best.
0: Yeah, that's that, that that that's important to point out. That's a real good um, that's a real good identification right there because you know you you obviously want to try to maximize your you know your your dollars that you're putting into the league, and um, that's something I bet you a lot of people either don't know or don't even know to pay attention to. That's a good point. Half, half of the money you said goes to the overall, right? Yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Something I'm not sure the exact numbers, but it is, uh, it is pretty high, maybe 40% or something like that. But, um, it, I mean, overall it's nice, but you have to be top 15 or top 20 out of five, 570 It was this year, um, to, to, to get some money. So, um, it's, right. I like doing some of those, uh, those that you, that you can play like a standalone where, where you can make more money. Um, right. And it's right. easier because the price both stays, stays within that league. Gotcha.
0: Yep. Make total sense. Um, do you do any auctions?
1: Um, I did one, two years ago in New York. Um, I was supposed to win this year, but uh, obviously it didn't happen. Uh, I'll probably try to, if I can, if they open the border and I can go to New York down from, from Canada, um, I'll, uh, I'll probably do it next year. Uh, But the one I did, I really enjoyed it. You can go crazy with your strategy. And uh, the one I did in New York, I bought three of the first eight players. I think it was Scherzer, Ramirez, and I forgot the other guy, but uh, like three guys over 45 bucks within 10 minutes. Um, (laughs) You can't do that in a draft. Um, And it was part of my strategy. I want to get a a few studs and then rely on two dollar guys later on um which i think i'm pretty good at finding so that was sort of my my goal
0: I um, i love that stars and sc- like whatever stars and scrubs. Yeah. i know a lot of people yeah. like that's that's my that's i had a i did an auction dc um in the NPC and that was my approach i did the old trout nakuna and, and um but I didn't. Right. Yeah, I didn't. And then I, you know, I wanted to hit like, you know, three dollars pitches like in that range. Um, it was just, it was just the wrong pitchers and it just, yeah. you know, a paddock wasn't anything great and Granky was, you know, uh, okay. But, um, but yeah, I love that. You know, I love that flexibility to just say, Hey, you're right. You can't do this in a real draft. You know, yeah. you, you can open up your imagination and, and, and try so many things. And, uh, yeah, it, uh,
1: I, and the year I I did it, it, it didn't end up working out cause it was 2019. It was the, uh, the big juice ball year cause 18 wasn't too bad. And then 19 was huge, uh, big juice ball. And then I was sort of relying on finding late starters and that wasn't the year to do it. If it was going to be like 18, uh, where you can find starters, we're going to give you up, give you a 4.2 ERA on fab, then it works well. But, uh, with the juice ball, we are looking at like a five ERA, and then because there's more runs, those guys never make it five innings. So you can't get wins with those guys, and um, it just yeah. wasn't the right year to do it. Uh, so if next year if I do it, I'll do stars and scrub and scrub probably more for hitters, and then for pitchers, I'll probably be looking to, to be a little more balanced and find uh, right. find specific targets.
0: Good point. You definitely hit that. Exactly the way I like to do it too. Like, um, I think a lot of people always analyze it as a start and scrubs for the whole team, but yeah. you know, to split it up into your hitting and pitch and have a different approach for both. Yep. Like that. 100%. Yeah, I definitely want to get involved with uh, another auction. It's maybe this year will be like a fabric, not just a DC. Yeah. Um, but, um, okay. So one thing that I, um, you know, noticed from your tweeting uh, about, you know, like fab trends and on uh, the NFPC and the amount of moves that are being made and the amount of money being spent, uh, it definitely like inspired me to learn the site better and, you know, try to extract any benefit I can from that process. Um, so number one, thank you. Because uh, <laughs> it was like, I was constantly like watching you, you tweet about those things and I'm like, I, I, I got to look at this stuff because you could really dig out, um, a lot of good things. And so I wanted to know, like, you know, if you had any advice for everybody, like what's the, what's the most important thing you can that you gain from like watching other league
1: mate trends? Um, it, I'm not that, um, cause I was doing, I had eight leagues this year. Um, so when you're doing so many leagues, it's hard to focus on, um, look at your specific league to see what other people are doing. Um, one thing I've heard that you can do, you can find two, three people that you like, um, that fit your style of that. You like Casey Chalk, an example, he's probably the best fantasy baseball player in the, in the NFBC. If every, if every week uh, on Monday morning, you look at which guys he added in fab, um, it can give you some, some insight on who you might want to pick up the next week. Cause if he picks up a guy that's 5% owns, he's speculating something um and that's a guy that you can um that you can follow for for the following week so if you find a couple people like that that you trust that you you know what they're doing then it can just give you names of of guys to look at uh and that's pretty easy on on the nfbc forums they post all the all the main event bids uh on on monday morning so you can just look through that look for for casey's name or gecko is a really good fat player as well uh see who they're adding and then it gives you ideas of guys you might want to target that the following week.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's a great answer. That's exactly what I tried to do in our week. Oh man! So I also pulled out um, uh, some tweets of yours uh, right after the drafting season was over, and some of the players you know that your model was a little higher on, and so you noted like your rating for the player, and then you know the ADP of the player that the. Uh, that they had in the beginning of the season. So I just want to just go through a couple guys and if you give me some quick analysis of any, you know, why you were right on the guy or what went wrong in in the player's profile or something that you missed. And yeah. also maybe to like, if that will carry into next year and some commentary about the two early mocks of, of these players um, that people are mocking for next year's season. So the first guy I have noted is Cattell Marte. You had him ranked as your 11th batter. He, was, he had an ADP of 23 in the season, and right now he's going at 78.
1: Um, yeah, the, so, the ADP 23 was – I think it was 23 among hitters. So I think he was going um, – oh, okay. For probably around 40 or so. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I love Catal Marte this year. He was a big disappointment. Uh, stolen bases disappeared. Power disappeared. Um, and then I think he had some bad luck with runs because I think he hit 285 or something like that. Um, and then behind him, he had Cole Cajun, who was hitting a home run pretty much every game. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, Marte didn't get that many runs. Um, I'll be on him against, again next year, probably. The, the one metric I like to look at is the maximum exit velo. Um, right. it's, it's your hardest hit ball. And it's weird because it, it's just one ball. It doesn't mean, it doesn't sound like it would mean that much, but he was ninth in, in baseball. So it shows you that he can hit one time you hit a ball. Uh, I think it was 115.3 miles per hour or something like that. Um, and he was ninth in MLB like that. So the power is still there. He has, still has potential to hit for power. He just has to hit it on the barrel and at the right angle and things like that. But um, I don't think the power disappeared. And he, I was huge on him in 2019 as well for that exact same reason. Uh, his max seconds velo was high. He just hadn't put everything together yet and he had a huge year. So um, this year was a good one, but I'm hoping, especially I think it's too early mock ADP 78. So um, I don't yeah. know if I'll be on him yet, but I think I will because if I, he's not a, uh, I guess two home run makes it a six or seven home runs in a full season um I see him more as a 2025 20, home run hitter. Um and I'm guessing at that ADP it might be a, it might be a good price.
0: I I would agree. Uh that I think you know that when you said like, you know, um he was like on the cusp a couple years ago and last year I was definitely onto him and you know, he showed that whatever we saw in it was real and I you know, that's there. That's that yeah. didn't just disappear and at that point with the draft at 78 yeah i'm 100 percent all over it um yeah stable just stable profile and like you said it's funny that one that one little batted ball it, it's it may not sound like a lot but it is because you you did you know you did that you can do that you know yeah. so well,
1: it's like it's like in golf you, if you take two people that average drives i don't know 225 or 250 150 yards that one guy who's hit it once at 350 he might have shanked a bunch and brought down his average but if he hit that one ball at 350 you know he can hit it hard so if he just improves you know he has potential to to hit it further so um it shows that he has potential and if you look at max Exivilo from the past few years um you'll see names like billy hamilton malik smith always at the bottom those guys are never gonna hit um if you never hit a ball over i think last this year was entering crt his hardest hit ball was like 98 miles per hour um even if he hit one or two home runs or three, he's never going to hit 20 if you can't hit a ball harder than 98 miles per hour.
0: Right. Right. Do you, do you like to differentiate like the, like the, um, the fly balls and line drives at all? Or do you, it's just like overall, if you can hit that ball that hard, like Um,
1: in in that case for max, I just look at overall, if you can hit it once that hard, um, it. it, it means something. And then other metrics, I'll look at fly ball percentage, launch angle, things like that. But uh max exit does by itself it does have some good uh some good value
0: absolutely i would agree with that okay so uh the next guy i have appears um we'll talk about uh manny machado he was just 16th ranked batter um in adp i guess at the time uh i have it written out so 36 so he's saying batting 36 um so what 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 did everyone miss about
1: his profile Well, the the decline last year didn't make sense. Uh, It might have been changing team, might have been the contract, but he's always been around a 290 hitter. Uh, So going to 256 didn't make sense. Uh, The big surprise was the stolen bases with the Padres. They started to run crazy this year. So obviously that helped. Uh, But he's always been a 30 home run hitter. Um, I was expecting at least a 285, a 290 average uh, because he's been that guy in the past. And then the Padres are an improved team, so runs and RBIs were there. So the stolen bases were a bonus, but I thought it was solid four category. Uh, and lastly, he was going um, mid-second, I believe, after signing with the Padres. So um, going down to the fourth or fifth round um, because of one bad season for a 20-year-old who should be in his prime um, and who had a long track record, um, I figured he was due for, for a bounce back. And it, it worked out even better than I expected.
0: Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Definitely better than expected. I, I thought he was definitely a guy that was, uh, you know, again, he still had that skill in him and he's consistently hitting the ball. Well, like you said, in that 290 range and yeah, he, he, he turned the speed back on this year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I think, I think you made a an interesting point too with the runs in RBIs because obviously, you know, that's something it's like, you know, so hard to like forecast, you know, so exact, but you know, um, when you can take a look at the team overall and say the chances are there to, you know, to accumulate more of those, that's a, that's a good spot, you know, definitely important to take a, take a look into. Um, what about um Colton Wong at, uh, you had at your 54th ranked batter.
1: And he was There's uh, a couple guys guys in that range, Colton Wong and Sterling Castro was another guy like, yes, right um Colton Wong was he had a great second half in 2019 started to show some powers so I was hoping it, it could keep going but the main thing with Castro and Wong is that they were hitting on the top of the lineup um first or second on pretty good teams um so it when you can guy get a guy I think he was going in the 10th or 11th round both him and, and uh, both Wong and Castro around that range um, when you can get a guy hitting first or second who's gonna hit for a decent average and then you can hope for power and then a few stolen bases. Um, I just like that profile of guy who gets you a bit of everything. Uh, power isn't great, but I was hoping we be would better. Um, but like like overall his numbers weren't great, uh, but I think he, he was still useful because all his, like when you look at the Cardinals numbers, they don't look great, but all those stats were condensed in the last six weeks um nice. so they gave you no value for the first three weeks but you got replacement value there from someone else so if you take Wong's numbers and you add who whichever player you used to replace him for the first three weeks um in the end it, he probably was a valuable player um and then like you never like it was such a weird season for them that um like even though he wasn't great I won't adjust anything in my metrics because because of him it I think it's it's in the long term I think it's a play that, that would pay off, but it it didn't work out that great this year. But um I, I like that kind of player who get who can give you a bit of, of everything, who can get you steals and average uh later in the draft. Um you can always get power later. But those two categories are a little bit harder to find. So if you can get them, um I I like that.
0: At the top of the order, like you said, you know, getting that getting that volume that we yeah. that we love. And um yeah. It's a it's a good profile to target, you know, it, it, it makes total sense. You know, you wanna get those A um, good good batting profile. Like you said, you know, he's not gonna uh, drag you down and um and also of course you can always get power later. Um yeah, so and Castro obviously got hurt, right? Um, yeah. um he was a lot, I think I think a lot of people were high on him, but um probably a little higher, but it it, it showed though. I mean he 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 was still getting better, even though he seemed like he had been in the league for like twenty years.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it does give you if you're hitting second, first or second with a good with good hitters behind you, it gives you a really solid floor. Um, that even if the power isn't there, if you're hitting two seventy, you're gonna you're gonna keep that spot in the lineup. You're gonna get a bunch of runs. Um, so and a bunch of at bats because you're hitting first or second, playing pretty much every day. Um, and a lot of people kind of, a lot of people forget that runs are a category. Um, yeah. <laughs> runs are based on playing time and they're worth as much as home runs um, as a category. Obviously, a home run gives you a run in RBI on top of the home run, but um, runs are still a category. They're worth 15 points in Roto um, in a 15 team league, so um, that it, it's worth it. So if you can get it, if you can just maximize playing time, getting guys like that um finished first uh in runs and rbis it doesn't matter if you finish middle of the pack in home runs um those 15 points are worth just as much as the guy who's getting all the the high profile power guys
0: right that's a totally good point it's the same worth um you know teams are like oh you know i'm in first in home runs by 15 20 homers it, yeah. you know you're right it's a, it doesn't mean anything and people do sleep on runs i think that's like the most slept on category you know that yeah. um and that's a big part of it getting guys that are gonna get the constant at-bath at the top of the lineup with good guys behind you it's a it's a it's a total good like sound process and it's so simple and um you know, a lot of people forget to employ it you know that's that's a good point um yeah. what happened to um Let's move on to some pitchers. What happened to uh, James Pacton this year? Did you underestimate
1: the injury? Or yeah, I should have been right? way off of him. Um, yeah. Usually the way I, I build my system in a normal year, I have a metric, well, it's not really a metric, but I just look at one of the factors I look at is uh, number of innings pitched in spring training. Uh, what I found is usually I avoid anyone who's not pitching for 15 plus innings in spring. Um, okay something's wrong with your elbow or you feel a bit of a tweak in your shoulder or whatever, you're not going to throw 50 innings in spring. Uh, so that's one of the metrics I look at. Obviously with summer training, this we didn't have that info. So I made the mistake of just, well, I didn't have the data. So I had, I just removed that metric. Uh, but what I should have done is manually just erase the guys that I didn't trust were healthy. Uh, like Eduardo Rodriguez, I COVID, I should have just put him on side I'll frame it for a different reason but it's the same thing. If if you're in if you're in spring and you're pitching and you're healthy. Um, what I found usually with with pitchers when they give a timeline of three to four weeks, it's if everything goes well, he's gonna be back in three to four weeks. But you you have to go through long toss out though ninety feet, 120 feet, you do a bullpen and then at every step something can go wrong. And that three, four weeks usually means six weeks on average. And sometimes it's two months, three months, four months. So um, that's one of the metrics I look at that spring training innings. I usually avoid guys who aren't pitching and who aren't healthy in spring. Um, so I made the mistake of just following my system this year. I'm like, okay, Paxton, he's there. I'll draft him. But wait, no, he just had surgery. He's not healthy. Uh, I should have been way off. So that that was sort of me sticking too much to to, to my robot, uh, personality.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. I hear you. Like, yeah, you can, you know, you feel strong on a guy and you know, like you said, and sometimes like you said, like, you know, that one guy won't hurt you. And if he was kind of healthy, um, it would have been really rewarding. Where where did you get the uh, 15 innings pitch from? Is that like a number that you,
1: well it's 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 not a specific number it's, oh, okay All right. it's, it's gradual but it's it's give an idea uh, right. like like i think there's a point once you're over 15 whether you pitch 15 or 20 it doesn't matter but okay. uh 15 is better than 12 12 better than 10 and so on Bam, uh, of course right so it's just the gradual thing where if you throw five innings you drop uh, i think maybe three points in my rankings if you throw it i i have a i i back this that it looking at how all pitchers who didn't throw enough innings uh, since 2016 did in my system, and I just um, deduct that amount of points.
0: Uh, right. And um, so you think that um, – um, how much they're going to influence, like, how you feel about Pack the next year that he didn't throw a lot this year?
1: Um, for, for the – I'll be off of him. Like, I'll be off pretty much – if I'm drafting – I'm I'm doing an early draft in November, I'll be, I'm going to be off all those guys. Right. Uh, I think a lot of people assume everyone gets healthy uh, in those three, four months, mm-hmm. but they get healthy because they don't throw. But then once they start ramping up in spring, that's when you really find out if, uh, if they're okay. Uh, right. Even the pitchers themselves, they probably don't know. They're hoping they'll be fine structurally. Everything seems okay. But when you get in spring and you throw 95, 96 for 40, 50 pitches, um, that's when you find out if you're really okay. Um, Usually those things happen in spring this year, they happen in the first two weeks of the season because uh, we didn't have the spring training. So um, yep. that's why I think there were so many injuries this year. Because, I mean, they were probably more than usual because of the quick ramp up. But a lot of it, it seemed worse because instead of happening in spring, they happened during the season after our drafts. Right, um, right. So I think part of it, it seemed, it, it was worse, but it seemed a lot worse because of that.
0: Right, and it's almost like the, the first couple of weeks were really, um, spring training because I don't think the simulated games were, yeah, your heart rate's not up, you know, as a pitcher, you're not, it's very low stress. It's just different. It's, it's, it counted for like reps and, 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 you know, it was like an, I guess a, a more uh, advanced BP and uh, you know practice
1: style, but, uh, and usually it's only those last two or three starts in, in regular spring training where they go three, four, five, six innings. Um, that's when you really find out if uh, which pitchers are healthy and with which ones, uh, which ones aren't.
0: Do you think any of the teams are going to like keep their guys throwing a little longer, like or have their guys thrown now to like replicate pitching? Um, you know, I don't think they year? will because they and they
1: ramped up twice. They started doing in right? March, so I assume they they kept pitching in April and May. Uh, but I my my guess is they need that rest for, for the next few months. Um, I know some guys are, are pitching right now to see if they can change their mechanics and things like that with with drive line things but um, my guess is once the playoffs are over everyone takes a, a couple of months off to rest rest their arm and then they, they start to, they start I think if they pitched more right now, I think it'd be worse for next year uh, yeah, if it's I agree at rest so
0: yeah you want to try to like return to normalcy like as much as you can yeah I exactly. would agree with that. Um, Lance Lynn um, I had him on a lot of teams he was a a major uh, anchor for me this year I know you had him high too Uh, how do you feel about him going into next year as well you think he keeps this up or you think at some point the um, the cost to obtain him is going to be too high
1: yeah, um, one of the things about Lynn is this: so he over, he overperformed his metrics by a lot. It's, well, if you take out that last part, it's by a lot. That last one where he gave up a bunch of runs sort of um, regressed to, to, to closer to what what he's really worth. Uh, one thing I like about him is he he throws 100 pitches pretty much every game. Um, so compared to a guy who throws 85, 90 pitches, when you throw 105, uh, it's a 15, 20 percent edge where you can get more strikeouts and then the odds of getting a win um also increase. so um that's one thing about him that I think was undervalued for next year the three guys I really like this year that really paid off are Lynn Carrasco and Maeda um mm-hmm. and for next year I have them all pretty much uh let's see in the 16 to 20 range for my starting pitchers which is about where they're going fourth or fifth round so um Usually, if I like a guy around ADP in fourth or fifth round, I won't draft him because there's another guy that I like better um, than than those. Um, but that the one thing you might have noticed that the four pitchers Paxton, then Carrasco, and Mied that were all AL pitchers.
0: Right. Um, yeah, I know. Yep.
1: That's that's a, that was a big thing for me. I don't think since the NLDH uh, news came out after the the ADPs so had sort of normalized. Uh, after we'd all done our rankings, I don't think people adjusted properly. Um, right. So I was I was targeting AL, targeting AL pitchers. There were a bunch of NL pitchers that before uh, Wheeler was one I really liked that I got in, in one or two leagues. Um, Musgrove I liked before Herman uh, Marquez I also liked, uh, but when the NLDH news came out, then I, it, it pushed up those AL pitchers and they, they were my, my real targets uh, during drafts.
0: Yeah. Smart move. Great, great observation. Um, it was, it was, it was definitely a move that you had to make, you know, um, Hamad, yes. by the way, um, with, with Lance Lynn, they faced the most batters this year 344.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Just <laughs> a little tidbit. I saw, um, so speaking of the DH, did you, did you find, um, any, have you like dug into any, um, like, uh, stats or, um, results that showed, how much of an effect it did have on the NL pitchers? No,
1: I didn't even look at the results. Um, yeah. I don't even know if it if it would mean that much because it's only 60 games. Right. Uh, the, the one time I when I did the analysis in the preseason, I looked at um, the AL versus NL games going back to when they started interleague play. I think it was around 2000. So I had, I don't know, like, fit, or maybe a bit later than that. But I used about 15 years of data, NL versus NL, um in NL parks and the EL parks. So with and without DH um for those games. So I compared the two results, E R A in um, in both, uh whether AL versus N L whether they played with or without the DH. Uh so that's where I got my value and that's how I adjusted my system this year. Um for next year I'll be using a lot of twenty twenty data anyway. So in the end it probably won't matter um that part of it. But um it, it will still have a bit of an effect because if I'm using I don't know thirty, forty, fifty percent from from before, you have to add it in a little bit, but it won't be it won't be nearly as much. Um, but I need to look at the results because it's such a small sample. I trust my sample from from fifteen years of of interleague play more than than what happened this year. I think.
0: Yeah, I I would probably trust that large sample as well. Interesting, good stuff, Phil. Um, I another thing I, I I took note of of a, a pod you did on on Bubba's, um Joe right before the season started was that you had noted that you only had a one percent advantage for the central teams. Um, so talk to me about how you came to that and like what I guess the results might have been a little different. Um, and what what do you think of the whole central uh, phenomenon that's taking over the industry mm-hmm. talk? <laughs>
1: The way I saw it in the uh, what I said on Bapa's pod in the preseason um, was when you looked at if you were an AL Central pitcher, um, the NL Central was supposed to be an average hitting division. And then the AL Central, you had the Twins who were good, um, which sort of canceled out the Tigers who were awful. The White Sox were pretty average. So then it just left the Rolls and the Indians who were below average, uh, but it wasn't the way like It came out to 1% edge compared to what they should have been before um, mm-hmm. under a normal season, because they still played their division more. Um, but the L Central ended up being pretty much as we expected. I mean, the, the White Sox were better than we thought, and the Twins were worse, but they sort of just swapped. And then the, the Tigers, the Indians, and the Royals were all below average, which was pretty much as expected. The big difference with the NL Central, which was, to, was supposed to be about league average in terms of hitting, um i have him here in terms of run scored per game the cubs were 20th the cardinals were 24th which they played a lot of shorter games so you can they might have been 21st or 22nd if if they played normal games but it's still below average the brewers were 27th the reds were 28th and the pirates 30th um so it the the dnl central was the big surprise like all the the disappointing hitters the chris bryant the javi Baez, yelich um all those guys came from like even though the Pirates, uh, Josh, Josh Bell, Bell was huge disappointment. Yeah. So many guys from the ana Central were, were disappointing. Um, so and then here in the ERA for this year, the east had 4.72, the west had 4.52, and the center was 4.12. So it's if you average out the other two divisions, it's 0.5 uh runs less than the other division division. So the big question is is it because the pitching was great or the hitting was bad it has to be one or the other when when you when you only play within your division it's like in college football where if you forget those first few games you look at um conference play um we know from past there's the sec is better than in the other conferences but if if they've never played each other you have an 8-0 team in the sec and an 8-0 team in the acc you find out which one is better in the bowl game Um, Mm -hmm. so that's sort of it they never played each other you don't know um this year we can sort of look at what we expected but um so um the way i see it there's if we simplify there's two scenarios either the central has above average pitching but league average hitting which would make their teams better than average because they have better pitching average hitting or if their teams are worse than average then they have average pitching and they have below average hitting so either one's average and the other is below average uh, but they went two and 14 in the playoffs yeah so and the odds of that happening are like one or two percent if if you gave them 50 50 odds of winning each game i think it's 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 about one or two percent that it would end up like that so which of those scenarios is more likely that the central teams are better or worse than the other divisions it's that they're worse. So, right. um, right. The way I'll, I'll be operating under the assumption that the, the central pitching was league average, but they have below average hitting. Um, I'm, I'm going to assume that the bad hitting caused the pitching to look better. Uh, so what I'm, what I've decided to do is just, um, neutralize the, the, the pitching in each division so that it comes out about even, and then the hitting, I just don't touch. Um, so I'll still be interested in the early guys, the Bieber, Bauer. Uh, it won't affect that that much because in the first and second round, there's so much gap between the pitchers that even if you drop – like even if Bieber had a – I don't know what his ERA was. But if he, even if you increase it by 0.3 runs, it doesn't matter. He was still one of the best. Um, okay, yeah. But once you reach those middle rounds um, with the Woodruff, the uh, Musgrove, all those guys, uh, if you increase their – ERA by 0.3, 0.4, 0.5, uh, it, it it can drop them by two, three, four, five rounds. So um, I'm Got guessing it. It beyond on that many central pitchers uh, in hmm. in the middle rounds, right? And even if you look at the the two early mock um, ADPs, I think I went through it quickly. Um, I think it was something like 15 of the top 30 pitchers drafted were from the central. Um, so oh, really? It,
0: that's a good yeah. that's a good note. Yeah, I didn't even. I didn't even notice that. How many did you say?
1: I think it's about it, like in the. I forgot if it was the top twenty or top thirty pitchers, but it was about half until. Oh. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's crazy high. Um, so, okay. like a, a team that has fifteen of the top thirty pitchers in baseball wouldn't go. I, I, sorry, a, a, a section that has fifteen of the top thirty pitchers in baseball wouldn't go two and forty in the playoffs. Um, right. You're Um, right. they got really, really unlucky, which is possible, but, um, I'm going to operate under the, the assumption that, um, their stats look better than, um, uh, than what they should have. And yeah. in, in, in my 2021 rankings, once I neutralized that, um, the strength of schedule by, by section, um, I came out with about, I think 10 of the top 30 and 20 of the top 60 were from the central. So, um, basically what you would expect in a normal year were. Uh, good pitchers are spread out in each uh, in each division and in each section.
0: Right. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. That's, that's good stuff right there. I, I kind of agree with that too. Like, especially with the playoff records that you said, like that, that's, that really um, was an eye opener to the whole uh, evaluation to the central uh, phenomenon, I think as, cool, yeah. Yeah. as cool. it's
1: called. Sa- it's only 16 games, but it's the only sample we have. Right. And- so um, it's got to count
0: for something, right?
1: Yeah. And yeah. if it was like, I don't know, like four and 10 or six and eight, it wouldn't matter as much because, okay, it could have been luck. It could have been, been the other way. And I probably would have uh, adjusted my, my rankings to a bit, maybe drop the pitching a little bit and then uh, move up the, the central hitters a little bit because you don't know what, what, what the truth is. But when it's two and 14, the magnitude um, of, 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 the, of the, the bad record, um is 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 there so even though it's a small sample the two and 14 is pretty is is quite bad so i think you i think we have to pay attention to it even though it's only 16 games
0: right of course it has to be noted right awesome It's stuff um i have no question uh about uh fab um so I wanted to know if there was like a threshold that you have for a guy that you're willing to drop is, um, I know robot world is a different world, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, it's hard. Obviously we, you know, we carry biases and, you know, uh, bad habits, like you, like you mentioned. And so I was just, you know, there was a couple of times where I noticed, you know, some players that you dropped and I'm like, wow, he's not afraid to, you know, drop this guy right now, which is, you know, was pretty, um, you know, I have to like learn myself, but you know, wh- what's the process here? Like what, like, what, what's being accomplished? And, um, so it's hard for me to do that, you know, but, uh, yeah. I, I guess, you know, when you run your numbers and you see everything makes sense, you do it. But, uh, yeah. So talk to me about your fad process a little bit and like how you're willing to just, you know, you're not afraid to, you know, move on from guys.
1: I, that's the one advantage of having a system where you look at numbers, um, like every week I'll have two things. I will have a rest of season rankings and I'll have rankings for the coming week. Uh, so I sort of look at the two separately. where um, I'll first look at which players I'm willing to drop that um, for the rest of the season. So I mean, my number is 10. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, but usually someone who's not in the top 180 hitters or so, uh, based on my projections, I'm willing to drop. Um, the one part where I have to be careful is sometimes a player who hasn't played recently because i try to project playing time going forward based on how much they play in the past 10 15 games um but sometimes you have to players can earn more playing time if they're playing well um so that's where my my feeling part um comes in a little bit um so yes the (laughs) robot can have some feelings it
0: creeps (laughs) in just just enough
1: Uh, but yeah, it is easier because when I see like a couple of weeks in a row, when I see a guy who has like a 9.5 or whatever, and I see I can pick up a guy who has an 11 uh, in fab, then it's tempting. So that's where I sort of forget the name. I just look at the numbers and say, okay, that guy's better. I have to pick him up. And then obviously, I mean, I'll look at the name and say, okay, no, I don't like that guy. He's, he's hurt or he's on a bad roll or whatever, uh, or he could lose playing time or any reason. Um but it, it does help to have a number um, for things like that. And then I have the, the weekly rankings where um, if once I have guys that I don't want to hold, I'll look up, I have case, okay, so I have 15 hitters I want to keep. I have three open spots, um, then I'll look at my 15 hitters, look at their matchups, uh, look which pitchers they're facing, a lot stuff and then okay I need two more hitters for Monday Thursday and I need uh, one more for the weekend so i 'll sort my rankings um, see which players are available in fab pick up the put in a uh, like 10 fifteen hitter, bids on 10 fifteen hitters which which are better than the ones I have for for Monday Thursday and then for Friday for Friday Saturday um, so that's sort it, it you can do that manually but it 's a lot easier when it's automatic automatic and you have um, a number that tells you, okay, this guy is a 15 this week because he's um, in Baltimore. He has four games Monday to Thursday. He's facing bad pitchers, so he gets a 15 and he costs – he's going to be cheap and fat because no one's on him. Um, Like this year I was picking up guys like Jason Hayward, Alex Gordon that no one wanted. And when you look at my stats, it's like, why the hell did he pick up Jason Hayward for 50 at-bats there? Well, he played in uh, not in Baltimore. Uh, he played in Detroit, Kansas City against awful pitchers. So yeah, he was useful, and I got a three fifty average from Jason Hayward. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't random. It's because like obviously it's 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 fifty at bats, so it can go either way. But you average those guys out in the end, and confident that it's going to pay off. Um, so it, it looks terrible that I had Alex Gordon, Jason Hayward on my teams at some point, but. There was a reason for it, because they had good matchups and they played four games. One of the other teams played three games and they were in the lineup every day. So, um, things like that were, I'm, I'm, I've realized I'm pretty good at, at streaming hitters in, in Fab, um, which I think it was one of my big edges uh, this year, especially in the short season where it was a lot, it looked a lot more like DFS than, than the, the fantasy baseball we're, we're used to. So, uh, I think that part really paid off this year.
0: Do you play DFS?
1: Uh, not anymore. I tried it before. Um, I was actually really good at the FS football, uh, probably six, seven years ago before all the pros got involved. Um, and now it's just there's so many, so many guys that do it. So many good people that do it, that focus on that, where I find it's a lot harder to win. I know I've, uh, I've moved, moved away from it uh, focused gotcha. on my system and, and fantasy baseball. <laughs> no, it's
0: great. No, it's awesome. Yeah. Too. I, I, I can't, do it either i, I dabble one in it a little bit if uh, if, uh, if i wake up and i feel the urge to just try to dive in and you know i don't know it just
1: well, it's when much. you're competing against hundred hundreds of people that do that for a living or other people that pay for information from guys that do that for a living it's really hard to compete if you're just doing it for fun so that's yeah uh, yep. it, it wasn't like that seven eight ten years ago uh but now the this skill level went way up uh where it's uh I mean, it's fun to play for if you have nothing to do on a Thursday night and you just want to. Oh, I'll put together a team for baseball and <laughs> put in five yeah. bucks and watch it just for fun and hope hope everything hits. But if if you want to make money from it, it's uh, you have to put in a lot of time. And I I, um, I think my skills are better served somewhere else.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I I, I would agree. I I want Pokemon focused on my too many teams that are (laughs) too many season long teams and actually another thing about fab uh again that i extracted from the bubba show is how you um you're saying like um when you talk to other players a lot like if you have frequent dialogue with some other nfc players or guys who play fantasy a lot like you kind of are able to gauge the value of like what they might go for a little better.
1: Um, I I know I won a bunch of main events this year, but I'm, I'll I'll admit, I'm really bad at figuring out what players are worth. I have, I know what um, I have a good idea of what they should be worth because my system tells me uh, and I'll know, okay, that guy is good for rest of season. He's a 12 or whatever. He's worth 50 bucks. Um, But I don't, during the season, I, I listen to some pods and I look on Twitter a little bit, but not not nearly as much as other people. Uh, so I have a tough time knowing who's in on which player. Um, and I'm really bad at that part. And uh, Dave and Jake from the Rotosaurus pod um, helped me a lot with that. And for, for the bigger bids this year, I was, the, the bids that looked good, uh, I was messaging Dave. I'm like, oh, I like uh, John Birdie this week. I really need him. And how much you think I should bid. And uh, he was right on a lot, at least, if the the four or five times i asked him he was pretty much right on um and i would have way overbid. so well wow. wow. uh, yeah
0: that's great yeah so yeah that's- that's
1: great. I, I, i'm trying to get better at that part of it uh but I, I know it's not my strength so uh when there's people willing to help me uh for for that then i i, t- I take the help and then I, I i know i can provide uh help in, in other other things but uh, right. that's one thing i know it's one of my weaknesses trying to get better at it but those guys have been playing for 15, 20 years. Uh, I've been playing for four years. So, um, I, I don't have the knowledge and I, I don't read as much information as other people do. So, um, I know that's one of my, my big weaknesses. I'm trying to, especially in the short season, it, it's tough. Cause in a full season, I stream hitters so much, um, where maybe hitters and pitchers will be half of my, my, my budget will go to two three, $4 bids. Um, but Thanks. this year it was only 20 25% because obviously the season's shorter so uh, when i was putting putting in bids for 50 100 200 that's where that's when you really need um that's where you have to be good at at judging the market and and guessing what other people are going to do um and that's that's one thing I had a tougher time this year but i got i found some help that would uh, that helped me uh get get better awesome. at that and put in better bids
0: Good Dave, good Dave was good for something. Yeah. that That and, and Beaver. No, we're just kidding. Yeah. We love you, Dave. Dave's
1: good people. I hear about act P- P- for the next Oh my um, God, forget months. it. He's going, he, yeah,
0: he, he just moved ahead at the ground for him. Uh, if I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, man. That's uh, good, good people out there, Dave. That's awesome. That's a good, that's a good help. You know, that's, it's good to, cause like you said, it's time. It's time put in to have a feel for the whole process, to have a feel for what kind of profile might get valued a little more. And, um, it's good. It's good to have that.
1: Especially for closers this year. It was, it was really tough for closers. Um, cause you knew everyone was looking for saves. There was so much turnover in, in the closer market. Um, especially early on Greg Holland was going for a crazy price. Right. Uh, just he got one save. Um, but there were so many closers coming out. They're going for a hundred, 200, $300 or more were, if you bid 400 cause you think a guy's going to be a closer, but no one's on him um, because someone else got this save or whatever, you can only bid, you, sh- I mean, you can waste 250, 300 of your budget there by, by overpaying. So. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Right. yeah.
0: Um, in, in a full season, do you, is there like, um, if you see a guy on the wire um, that you might project for, like has that full year value, like, is there, is there a category or, um, a position that would hold more value, like for you, um, if it's available early in the season.
1: Usually, I try to have my teams really balanced, so there's not a category where, um, like, after two months, maybe if I see I'm in the in the last no last two or three spots in steals, um, then I'll I'll focus on steals and things like that. Usually, steals are usually when a steals guy comes up, everyone's on him um everyone sees it coming because everyone's looking for stolen bases um but there really isn't um a a specific category that i focus on uh the main thing for me is it's always playing time right Um, if i see a decent player who suddenly moves up to second in the order and has played for um say wednesday to sunday he played he was in the lineup so he played maybe five straight games um then i'm paying attention um, and those are the guys that people usually don't notice as much because he, it's not much. He might just be a mediocre player, but if he's sitting second in the lineup, um, it can change his projected plate appearances from 550 to 675 or 700 if he's playing every day. So hey. that can be a 15, 20% boost just because he's suddenly hitting first or second in the lineup. So uh, when you when you're a week ahead on things like that, if if you just see it happening on say Friday, Saturday, Sunday, not everyone notices it. So um, that player you can pick up, he can cost you two, five, ten dollars, uh, and he can be useful for the rest of the year uh, if he stays in that spot. And if he doesn't, then it's it's not a lot of money. But um, Jose Iglesias was one for for me this year. I think he started hitting seventh in the lineup, and then yes, he he was. He had three, I don't know what it's three fifty, three seventy, something like that. He was better than expected, but just that he was sitting when I saw him he had they, they were sitting first or second and playing pretty much every day. Um, then he he's a guy I, I went after cheaply. Um and that I held on for, for a while until until he, until he got hurt.
0: I I think I, I gotta be better at that identifying that and, and, and rostering them for that um that, you know, cheaper cost than yeah, I I gotta get better in that department. I think another guy that you you kind of liked with Adam Frazier, right? Was that another guy you?
1: you yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the, the do Fraser joked yeah. a lot of. Uh, I was the the Adam Fraser guy, and I kept. Uh, he's like, you're not throwing Adam Fraser this week. <laughs> oh yeah, I am. Oh no,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I yeah. I I had him. He was one of the guys from here, and you know, you constantly mentioned. I was constantly like, you know, I had him in like a couple of other leagues, and just like. You
1: know, same thing. I'm playing Adam Frazier. Like, goes- I, I know it's, it's nothing. Like, in the end, he didn't have great stats. Uh, but um, – and a lot of people – because I think he started – he had a bad start. I think he started five for 55 or something like that. Um, but he's been in the league for four or five years with 1,500 play appearances. So, those 50 – first 50, 55, 60 play appearances don't mean anything about the kind of player he is. So, um he moved down low in the lineup a little bit at some point against lefties. He was hitting seventh, I think. Uh, but then he moved back, back, back up pretty quickly, playing every day, hitting first or second, um, and that has tremendous value. Um, because, I mean, when you're hitting first or second, you get the runs. Any hitter um, – I think he's a 270 career hitter. Yeah. So, um, that average is worth something. You get the runs. He'll get more more plate appearances, so he's going to get home runs, a couple of stolen bases. So uh, for a guy that was going past round twenty five this year, uh, to get an everyday player that you can get so late, um, I'm I'm usually all over that. Right, that's a
0: good point. Mm-hmm. And, then, and 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 they and they're usually read, like widely available. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think there will be an um, another? Fat um system of free agency ever in the future I know we discussed this once on Twitter um, yeah um, do you think there'll ever be something else besides the the uh, blind bidding
1: in the NFBC I don't think it's going to change the right. the other system that that's that's been sort of discussed and that I've heard elsewhere in home leagues and things like that is sort of the I guess the eBay bidding where you you put in a bid more but your bid you if if the secondary bid is 150 then you get in for 151. Uh, you don't get the 300 that, that you, but I think that takes, I mean, obviously that's my weakness. So I'd, I'd be better if it was that way, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I wouldn't like it. It wouldn't be nearly as exciting. Um, Good point. I think that's a skill that a lot of people have that, um, that they don't want to take out of the game.
0: And yeah. And I think a lot of people who dislike it for those reasons of, you know, you know math overbid, or, um, you know, just, Have to suck it up and be okay with it because it is still the best way to do it um i had a couple i tried doing a couple of live zoom free agency periods in my home week and uh it's hard getting everyone together yeah i I just thought that would be cool too to just try especially yeah
1: it's a new new auction every week so
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: enough, enough people that that can do it that then it's great but if you can't make it one week then it it makes it hard so
0: exactly exactly um you know, you mentioned using investor season projections earlier, um, and just wanted to ask you a little more about that. Is this, um, cause I really, uh, it's something that you mentioned to me earlier in the year and piqued my interest a little because I don't really um, take that into account enough. Um, and so do you like, do you use it um, as a way to forecast like uh, what they can add to your team? Or like what's your, what's the main thing you utilize from the rest of season
1: projections usually i just look at overall value um until i mean i always look for i i build my teams on balance so if i if i can find a player who can bring overall value it doesn't really matter what skills he brings um once we get halfway through the season maybe more if i'm way ahead in category then i'll start adjusting my pickups a little bit uh my weekly streaming I, I might look more for average or stolen bases if i'm ahead in power but um at least for the first in a normal season for the first three four months i just look at overall value of picking up the best players i can and then with with two months left three months left you can always make adjustments um in, in your weekly pickups um and then guys can get hurt so it's hard to forecast what exactly um your team will end up looking like uh so okay. if you look for overall value and then you adjust later if if you have to. Great.
0: Cool point. I like it. Yeah, that's exactly what uh I was interested in. Um and you use the steamer, right? Use steamer for the rest of the season? Um I,
1: nice. I have a different um I, I use my preseason projections, which I adjust myself based on on the stats. Oh, okay. But any player that I didn't have uh ranked, uh, I only rank about maybe 250 hitters or maybe 300. Um, any ups I play in minors, uh, I usually use steamer and then adjust based on, on my, on my playing time, on my system's playing time protection. So, um, okay, but yeah, usually, I mean, steamers are decent. Uh, oh. not it's not perfect, but it, it's good enough, uh, to know that, um, uh, it with within a decent range, um, that the projections are good. And, and I mean, I, I, like mine better for, I like my preseason projections better. I think I've, I've managed to make some, some improvements over um, what steamer does. Cause I'm really focusing it on, on what I do, which is the main. Um, but for, for call-ups for guys like that, I, I usually don't even bother looking at minor league stats. I look, I look at the steamer. Um, his formulas are based on what guys have done before in triple A, double A on the parks and all that stuff which you can't really do manually for, for so many players. So, um, Great. good point. I think it's a good, uh, it's, it's a good thing to look at.
0: Cool. Awesome. All right. So, um, we got some questions on Twitter, so I just wanted to get into those, um, real quick to end the show. Um, First one is from mr SP streamer himself Michael Simeone, and he wanted to know Phil did you ever look into how analyze pitches for the upcoming season in terms of how much do we take from 2020 and how much from the 2019 season
1: uh yeah I did um i a few weeks ago he messaged. i I told him i I'd started looking at hitters um I'll, I'll mention it as well for hitters I use it if you look at the raw data, so say home runs per plate appearances, uh, stolen base per plate appearances, the 2020 season is worth about between 20 and 30%. And then our projections before that are worth about 70 to 80%. So it's a small, um, the 2020 season doesn't mean that much. Uh, but when you dig into the metrics and you look at stat gas stuff, the 2020 season can, can mean up to 60 65 70% season um so um i looked at it for pitchers and it's about the same um if you're trying to predict whip and you just look at 2020 whip and then your projection before that then whip itself is worth about 25 percent based on 2020 but then if you use metrics like sierra xfip k percentage uh, walk percentage um metrics that stabilize a lot quicker then that data from 2020 is worth about 60, 65, 70%, depending on the category. So um, the small sample, the most, the the season, even though it's only two months, um, it'll probably be about 65, 70% of my of next year's production. And again, that's that's the that's the metric that stabilized quickly. So Bieber's K percentage I went way up, even though it's only two months. Um it's it's worth about. 70% of, uh, somewhere between 60 and 70% of my, um, compared to the projection I had before.
0: Oh yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, I didn't have a number on it yet, but, um, that's, you know, I think, uh, just in general too, like if you in, intuitively, like, just, I count it first, don't think, you know, I know a lot of people are thrown away completely, but, um, just what they went through this year to play baseball and for every for every guy that had trouble ramping up was someone who you know was overcoming all the odds to go out there and and perform you know so uh, it's cool that was a that was a good answer to that um we have the emis cats i think at s c r sixty seven he yeah, had a couple of them we are just gonna try to speed through them um i guess you're give me like a hit and miss uh from twenty twenty one
1: um the Oscar was a big hit. I had him in six of my eight leagues. I think um, he was a big target for me really paid off a lot better than I expected. Um, and then Matt Boyd was my big miss. Uh, we talked about Paxton earlier. Um, Paxton was injury related uh, that I, sh- I should have seen coming. Matt Boyd's one that if I, if I knowing what I know, if I did the season again, I'd still be on him and he'd probably still be a miss. Um, it's, it's I guess, it's a, I don't know, I wouldn't call it. It's a weakness in the system. He didn't, but it happened, like, you can't. It, in fantasy baseball, if you're right, 60% of the time, you're a great player. Right. So um, I can't worry about, about those misses. It was a miss. It, uh, his he metrics were good, but he, he didn't put it together. I probably won't be on him next year because I don't think this year was the same pitcher as he's been in the past, but um, it's... Uh, yeah, it happens it's
0: i gotta it's, say i'm um, not you know probably the same players uh i would list yeah. the same i had the most shares of Hernandez, um and probably brandon Lau, which my other guy yeah. and um the down was definitely void um and but but like you mentioned you know you mentioned the greatest thing but you're 60 right you're really good and the process and your approach if it's continue if it's consistent and you know uh it works um you can't you know can't
1: bend your back. And I mean, the day. process got, that gave me back, Matt Boyd also gave me Lynn Carrasco and Maeda. So um, it's like, especially this year, I think I was, uh, if I, if I look at what I was hoping from my system, it was better than I expected. Um, like if I hit on two of those four, um, if you average them out, it's a good year. So um, it, yeah. So yeah. It, it happens, you just have to live with it and then move on from the player when uh, I stuck with Boyd for, for a long time. Um, uh, I have to make some adjustments to my, to my in-season system for next year. Uh, I probably stuck with, with Boyd a little bit too long. Um, yeah. But. I think a lot of people did that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so what about, um, next question mid-tier pitchers who can return profit in 2021?
1: Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much about the pitchers I like for next year. Um, okay. one so, guy okay. that I can talk about is Joe Musgrove. Um, the skills are really improved. His K percentage went way up. Uh, one of the reasons I like him is because his pitch mix, he improved his pitch mix through a lot fewer fastballs, which, which has, has been his, his weakest pitch. Um, my one concern with him is that it was in the central. So the number at we see might've been misleading. So if he'd done that in the East or the West, I would have been really high on him, maybe even a top 20 pitchers, uh, top 20 pitcher. Since he did in the central, um, I won't be as high, but he, he's, he's one, one mid-tier pitcher that, that I'll, I'll consider in that. I effect. love
0: it. I love yeah. it. I, I can't quit Musgrove, so that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, let's see, we will take one more from Hayden before it, there's a ton of other questions. Um, we'll, well, let's go with the injured pitchers in 2020 that may be attractive next year.
1: I think Strasburg is the one exception. I'm I've, like, if I'm drafting before spring, spring training, starts, I'm avoiding all the guys, uh, the Clevenger, the Lamette, um, all the guys that, that had an injury at the end of the year. Right. Um, I think Strasburg might be the one exception cause the carpal tunnel is something pretty common for a lot of people, not as common for pitchers. Um, and he'd been pitching with that for a few years, so I think surgery can only improve what he'd been he'd been pitching with. Uh, and it's not an elbow, it's not an arm, uh, it's his hand. So um, right. it's about gripping the ball. So I'm hoping that the surgery will, will help. So he's the one guy, and he's coming at a pretty big discount because he didn't pitch at all. Um, so he's the one guy with discount that I might be interested. But all all the other. Uh, guys that ended the year with an injury, I'm I'm staying away from until we see them pitch in spring training.
0: I'm 100 percent on that with you, especially Clevenger. I wasn't even on doing this year because I felt like with the knee and he got the violent um, land and leg kick uh, and. Yeah. I just believe that he compensated for the weakness in his legs by trying to throw harder. And that led to the arm injury. I totally don't want anything to do with him. And he still led to I don't know. He's just one of those guys that I understand that skills are there, but he hasn't really pitched a lot, um, in his career, you know, so, um, but, uh, yeah. I'm off all those other guys too. i met yeah. Thor coming back sale. None of those guys, uh, out, out past. Yeah. But, um, Strasburg, yeah, like yeah I would agree.
1: Discount, but when when the rounds five to 10 in baseball, it's the top half of your starting lineup. So if you miss on the guys, it, it can hurt, especially if you, if you're getting a few of those guys, um, and the, the upside is there, but they're not going to throw 300 innings next year. You know that. So, um, I'm not sure the upside is, is big as big as we think it is. Um, I think Strasburg might be the one exception if the discount is big enough and over the next few months. I might be interested. Uh, i not sure, but I, 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 he's the one that I, I consider.
0: Yeah, I like that call too, uh, Strasburg, because um, I have a little bit of a carpal tunnel right now, and I could imagine if I got some work done to actually make my grip better. So I yeah. think, you know, looking at it that way, um, you know, like I said, it's not related all the way into the arm just to its grip, and if its grip gets better, and, yeah, if it keeps going going further down the uh, adp range I uh, definitely gonna take some uh, some deep look at mr. Strasbourg uh, we have uh, Jay Tazawa at papal beast he wants to know how do we project innings next year for starting pitchers what did the robot say about that
1: um I haven't projected innings yet the way the way I, I, I've sort of done it manually where I look at innings, I You have to look at innings. I break down innings. Um, I look at innings per game started and then I project game started. Um, I think there are innings per game started. You can project based on what they did this year and on the pitcher scale. Um, And then it's about projecting the number of games. Usually to start off, I'll put everyone at 32. And then any pitcher, like younger pitchers, I'll drop to 28. Um, And then injured guys, I'll drop to I'll drop it to, to 20 game starters, something like that. Um, that part for now I'm doing manually until I, I get more information from from other projection system and other people that do it, where I usually average those out. Uh, but for now, I think it's it's breaking down breaking it down into two two separate stat, stats and then merging those to, to get a number for, for innings pitched.
0: Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, Gus at uh, Captain, Gus McCray, um, we kind of covered a little bit about this he wanted to know about npc tips for rookies just starting out and which leagues um would we recommend i think we covered a couple of
1: the. Uh, yeah i think that the main event qualifiers are good because it's a way it's the same i believe i've never done them i believe i believe it's the same format as the main event it um, is, yeah
0: but, i did one this year yeah it's was. Uh,
1: um, i think it's a good way, good way to start if you just want to learn the format at a much lower price point and then if you end up winning then you get a free main event entry for for the next year or so Uh, I think it's a good way to start. Um, Other than that, like the, 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 the standalone leagues for 25, $50, hundred dollars. I think they're, you're better off starting with those than than the big overall contests where it's all about winning the overall and where you need a different strategy to to win than, than if you are doing a standalone.
0: Right. And I would just add into, um, for Gus, um, if you're playing in a DC, definitely, um, learn the player pool, uh, do do some, yeah. do some, maybe, you know, cheaper drafts on fan tracks or elsewhere that have a draft and whole type league and really, really learn um, because you could look at some lists and, uh, you know, but once you get down to 500, 700, it's, it's, it's different ball game and you got to have, you know, even though a lot of those guys in that range are, are going to be complete bust and you know, won't see your lineup. Um, there will be one or two, that you know, like I uh, had Josh or He you know, I he was like round forty-eight for me, um, <laughs> and he got you know he helped down down the stretch. You know, he was like one of the guys, um, one of the only guys in that forty-five to fifty round you know stretch that even played. Um yeah. But but it, it was key to. Just have, um, you have to have that player pool knowledge. Otherwise um, you won't find any of those extra at bats you might need from diamond in the rough. And I would say also too, to don't speculate too much on uh, rookies. Uh, obviously we talked about in the main event, but especially with the DC, um, you know, you could take a couple of, of dart throws, but not high in the draft at all.
1: How'd you, how'd you build your roster for hitters versus pitchers in, in that big, uh, big winning DC team?
0: I did a 29-21. Okay. And for, uh, I, 29 hitters? Yeah, 29 hitters. Okay. And I just looked at briefly the top 10, and I actually had the, the smallest amount of pitchers. Out oh, yeah. Of everyone. Yeah, yeah. There was actually one team that had as high as 26 pitchers. Okay. Um, there was about four teams with 23 and a couple in the 22 range as well. So okay. um, I, I wanted to approach it like, um, I had like a minimum definitely 2021 20, and I wanted to see how uh my my roster played out um who i was able to roster and if it was guys who i felt strong about their injury history that I was gonna take a little less you know okay. um but then all you have to do is get corbin burns at 470 and yeah yeah that makes up for so much and yeah. you know just just having um you know Bowlin. in was was huge but uh you know it was it was it i tried to look at a whole bunch of i think catcher was like my biggest pre-draft like focus like you know i think that was the position i spent the most time on like how am i gonna attack it you know um yeah. i only i only picked four i think next year i'm gonna probably pick five yeah. um and i had like two middle of the pack kind of bats and Suzuki alfaro and my backup was Austin Allen was terrible, um, so it, that wasn't the best, I think, approach, but I was just trying to get at-bats um, from guys who I think weren't going to kill me, kill me, um, but I definitely didn't have enough backups, I felt like, sometimes, well, I mean, Alfaro missed a lot of time, and that yeah. was probably yeah, the so reason probably. why, yeah. yeah, yeah, so that was probably the reason why, but um, that, that, I'm definitely going to be thinking more and more about that, the the team build, um, I think I, I did another the the uh the second chance DC, um for the short season, and I was yeah. in that league with you know Toby and Ryan Bloomfield and um Ray, uh, Ray Murphy and Ian Connor. It was a pretty good, it was a great league yeah. And um same thing, I did the twenty nine twenty one build there, but my my pitchers weren't as stable as uh, the starters I had in the other league so it didn't go as as well.
1: But uh, I, I do the opposite. I use a crazy strategy for DCs, which yeah? not a lot of people do. Uh, I started that last year, Um, this year I I went with uh, pocket aces, then I get one or two extra pitchers when the value is right, and then like in the first maybe 28 rounds or so, I get 22 hitters, Um, so it's like 22 hitters, two two aces, an extra one or two starters, and then two stud closers, Um, and then round 29, I get 22 straight pitchers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think I I say 22 I think in one league I got 21 and the other one I got 20 in a row something like that oh I want to see the
0: draft board of that that's great you'll see a lot of yellow on
1: there (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the the reason I do it that way is because um, once you get to round 20th or 30 there aren't that many like in rounds between the rounds 20 and twenty eight, you can get guys like Victor Reyes like Adam Frazier guys are going to play pretty much every day Michael Franco is another one for me. Uh, but after that, you're getting platoon guys or young guys that you're hoping like Naylor, your, your late pick really paid off. But like we said, most of the guys after round four, you don't, don't end up doing anything. Um, whereas starters in rounds 29 through 40, 45, you're getting guys who have a job. And if right. they don't, there's so many injuries that, you know, they're going to get a chance to pitch. Um, so like this year um let's see me what I get I got in my better DC I got Plesak in round 30 Merrill Kelly in the round 31 Wayne Wright in round 33 Martin Perez round 36 Kyle Freeland around 39 and wow. David Peterson around 48 so and I wasn't even on, in on those guys particularly it's just I'm getting so many pitchers that at least a couple of them are going to hit um and if they don't since the way I, I do my I do the higher amount DCs where I treat them more like a standalone, um, I I I basically end up punting ERA and WHIP. Uh, but I'm 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 gonna get I'm gonna have so many pitchers I always have a full um, full lineup of pitchers, so I'll be good in Ks and wins. Um, like and that. then the key is picking 21 hitters that you think are likely to stay healthy. Right. Um that's huge. A lot of multi-position guys, so that I always have. Um, like three or four guys that can play each position um which is possible with by getting only 21 or 22 hitters but you have to um you have to get multi-position guys to make sure you cover pretty much everywhere um, gotcha. it worked yeah. out in one of my leagues the other one didn't work out because i had uh i drafted drafted back in february and like puig never signed uh lorenzo kane opted out uh, Danny Santana got hurt from like week two. I uh, had just too many injuries. Had a bunch of zeros at some point, but um, it worked last year and it worked in one of them this year. So i will probably I'll probably keep doing it. Catchers, like you said, I have to look. I usually get like two of the top ten, and then I just get a third one. This year was uh Chance Sitsko or Tucker Barnhart. Um, right. But um, I don't know. Good. I I kind of like I will see because I've always done it that way. So I want to get players that are going to play. So that I don't have to get as many, but catcher is the one hitter position where you can get guys that are going to get 300 plate appearances past round 30, which you can't really do with like an outfielder. Usually, most of them, most of the valuable ones are gone, but you can find like a Mike Cedino, you know, Tucker Barnhart, Cisco guys like that way later. So um, if there's a hitter position where I can avoid to uh, or I can afford to wait a little bit more, uh, I might consider it. But I've I've always gotten like two stuff catchers and just the third one later and it, it's worth uh, most years
0: i like that i like that approach and it's especially because i'm always really high on jtr and uh yeah you know i i think it's because like when i first started playing fantasy i i was always like i had like the hidden catcher that you know helped me out so much and i was like i'm drawn to that you know i see the value in having a catcher that separates himself from yeah. the pack if you, if you um,
1: think about it like if you look at like uh second like um uh, say ozzy albies he goes in, like in the third round and i'll bring up adam fraser again uh who goes up in the twenty, he goes in the 25th or 8th round whatever um they're both gonna get about 600 650 plate appearances um oz albies is obviously a lot better but when you look at catcher yeah muto is gonna get 600 650 maybe with dh and then the catcher that you get where you get fraser gets 350 maybe right so you get the skill edge and you get like 50% more plate appearances. So, um, right. that's, that's where I like getting that edge. Uh, you get the edge in skill and skill and plate appearances. So I, I think that that part is worth is worth a lot more than, than people think.
0: I'm fascinated by that build. Um, I'm definitely going to think more about that because I, I know I love, I love, you know, talking to other people about how, you know, they, they build their rosters and, you know, You got better. It's, yeah. Oh, it really is. It really yeah. is. I, I You have to, you know, and it's like a perfect merge, I think of, of, of really, um listening uh, to people that you respect and actionable advice and then formulating your own concrete thing from that you know um i think that's really huge and you're right it's how you get better but i like that because i could see i totally see the value in that um picking you know, picking the batters that you, you know, hope to stay healthy too, but then just, just crushing pitching at the end. Cause I actually did it, you know, a little bit opposite. And, you know, I went for more like the later round multi-eligibility guys. And I picked most of my pitchers, um, in the like mid part of the draft, uh, especially the starters and the relievers I waited and got like the next best arms in the pen. But, um, I like that. I think, I think I... it
1: worked pretty well, though. Yeah, I
0: know, right? <laughs> Thank God. Oh, my God. That's why
1: like, I've always gotten two stock closers. because I figure I'll, I'll lock in the saves and get as, as few – basically the strategy is to get as few hitters and closers as possible so that I can get as many starters as possible. Um, but um, – I think like getting guys like that works for you, the Matt Barnes, the Ryan Presley, I that's one thing that, like you say, learning from other people, that's one thing I, where I think I can adjust. Um, one thing I might try to do is look at uh, free agents who might get traded. Uh, like Workman mm. was an obvious guy to get traded, Matt Barnes was the obvious next guy. I don't know what his ADP was, but I'm sure it was pretty late um
0: yeah it was in it was in the three fours definitely yeah, yeah exactly so, so right. that's
1: my one thing where especially in the dc where it can afford to hold a guy like that for three four months but you know like it was pretty much sure because you knew the red sox weren't going to make the playoffs and that workman's a free agent so they had to trade him so um it, it made no sense to keep him so uh that was like a free closer they can get later we're in the dc where we don't really waste a bench spot because we have so many uh, right right yeah the seven yeah. best spots are worth so much, but in DC, that's one thing I have to pay more attention to, and uh, like you said, learn from other people. And I
0: think yeah, because I- I, you know I didn't want to spend a lot of um, capital on saves, but I did want to make it a case to pound, you know, in that twenty-five round to thirty-round range, pound the next best, like the like yeah. you know Bond Hagan Presley, um, and even Hagan was just almost there too from being you know in you know and he just yeah, yeah. had a little bit of a issue himself and he got hurt and he lost that window to stay in that role you know everything went right for him to get it too like Yeats, yeah, exactly. you know, and it was like two when i was standing i'm like a oh god i'm gonna fall into three really <laughs> great like this worked great but you know that has to work like if that didn't work i wouldn't have won they just got me enough staves to you know get me get me into that Big yeah, but out. you can
1: you can win your only even if you don't get the saves you would just right. end up punting saves and you can uh, that's why in the higher money DCs that I do uh, that's one thing where if, if the closes don't work out then it's not a big deal because you can you can win the league by punting saves so that's one thing that that's one strategy that might that might be intriguing for me.
0: Right. Uh, i right. i totally i totally i'm totally on board with that yeah pound you know you could definitely win the league with that and if you fall into it then you know you could really make some noise um got yeah. one more question here on on your uh on your twitter um post from mark Kiefer. um what type of inputs do you use to try to project steals
1: uh for steals let me just pull it up quickly um i, I use, use i use body mass index <laughs> <laughs> I look at um, stolen base percentage uh, and then another stolen bases divided by stolen base opportunity. So for that, I just use uh, singles plus walks minus uh, intentional walks usually intentional walk. Usually there's a guy in second base. So um, it's not perfect, but it gives you an idea of how many um, steals a guy attempted when he might have had a chance to, to steal a base. Right. Um, and then I also look at sprint speed. Um it's it's not perfect, but it does like I know it doesn't perfectly match the number of stolen bases because there's a skill to reading pictures and all that stuff, but usually uh it can be an indicator of uh a young guy who's fast who never really got the green light, maybe just getting settled in who hasn't stolen bases, but he could because he's fast and if he learns he he can steal. So that those are the three the three metrics I usually I usually look at to project a uh, stolen bases.
0: But yeah, it's pretty much the same same with that kind of content but you then obviously too um you just want to make sure the guy does get on base yeah Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta get the first
1: <laughs> but that that's one thing though where if you you sort of have to use that because someone who stole 35 bases but hit for 350 if he got lucky and you project him for 250 the next year he's not going to steal 35 bases because he's not going to have as many opportunities so that's right. one thing where you have to uh the stolen base the number by itself you sort of have to neutralize it by the number of, of opportunities he had compared to what you expect him to have the following year uh, and that can sometimes be like a drop in five ten stolen bases in, in a full season production yeah
0: so, and that's huge that's huge to a player's cost you know acquisition cost into a yeah. value absolutely um a couple more quick ones um lucas j beery at Peary block 33 um asked me how to attack closer in a dc we already went over that and wanted to know what are some of the key stats you factor when determining if you would draft a starting pitcher I
1: think um the, yeah. the obvious one is is uh well honestly for if you're looking at drafting pitchers i would use steamer as a starting point um because sure you can look at k percentage minus walk percentage all that stuff yes it means something but usually a projection system like steamer, like pod or like ATC will account for all of that. So if you start with that as your starting point, and then you just dig in to things like uh, VLO, like pitch mix. Uh, If you take two starters who have the exact same projection, but you see one guy added uh, a mile an hour on his fastball the year before, and who started throwing his fastball 25% of the time instead of 40%. Which, If it was his worst pitch, then you know that the improvements he made the previous year are probably going to stick because there was a reason for them. So um, I, I'd use steamer as a starting point or another projection system. And then just to dig into player profiles. You can look on fan graphs. You look at um, how many pitches he has. You like pitchers who have three, four different pitches, increased v pitch mix, things like that. I think your time is much better spent there than looking at the stats, uh, where those models are already doing the math for you.
0: Got it, great answer for that. Um, let's see what else you have. i asked you another question from Mark Kiefer. He's one of uh, Phil, do you have a system that manages your system? And <laughs> I'm just gonna take a crack at this and I'm gonna say Phil is the system. <laughs> and Phil manages the system. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bam. I knew that. All right, good. <laughs> oh man. So and then um our friend Ellis at Ellis we wants to know, um he's curious about how Phil's system and an example of how he puts a player through it, quote unquote. Is it like the imitation game or is it like him dealing with Excel and copying and pasting?
1: Um it's, it's more Excel than, it, than you'd imagine. I'm actually not, like, I don't have a huge computer background. I'm, there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than I am at math. But I think I have the ability, I, I know enough about Excel. Actually, I'm, I'm really good at Excel. It's, it's the one program I work with. It has its limitations. I know other people have other programs that are much more efficient. Um, but I think my skill is that I know a lot of Excel and enough math And with the fantasy background, I can sort of merge everything together. Um, I know there's a lot of people smarter than I am at math who are too focused on the stats and don't really know how to apply it to fantasy sports. Even though if they drive, they've they've done home leagues, things like that. Um, I think what makes my skill is the combination of the two, um, where I can sort of understand the old school world of someone that just watches pitchers and knows. Who's good and who's not good, and then the stats side. Where I know enough, where I, I can understand what exit below, max exit below, and what things to look at. And I, I'm good enough at Excel that I can back backtest um, all that stuff. So um, That's I think I. But I do like in in my I do some some imports in Excel, but I still do a lot of copy pasting, like like most of us. I'm not skilled enough to do all those. Uh, pull everything automatically and you just click one button and everything updates i i have some of that but it's not uh it's yeah. not as as advanced as some people might imagine
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, hard, that's hard to that's hard to imagine though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but um i i i think you um i think you you really nailed it two. Like you really captured what you said, like how you're merging old school and the new school and math. And it's really what baseball is right now too. Right. You know, like, um, I'm reading a book called the uh, future value and it's, um, by the guy from fan graphs, Eric Longenhagen and Kylie McDaniel. And, and it, it, they're, they're explaining how scouting has evolved, you know, from, from old school, to you know, new school technology being able to scout the players, but as much as everyone is on par with the with the uh, technology, you still need to know about the the person too, you know, like the, and what they are about and their character. But I think you made a great point. It's almost like that's a snapshot of real life, like seeing the Rays and how these analytically driven teams are winning. It's, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the older fan base doesn't understand it. You know, Paul O'Neill doesn't understand it. Um, But, you know, he says, well, well, Yankees didn't win with analytics, but all the other teams who are still left are heavily analytic teams. So, um, you know, it's the game. And I think it's, like you said about the fantasy game it's the proper merge of understanding, you know, and extracting what works and what, what's real, like what the noise is eliminating that. And, you know, going to um, measures you know, like the race, the way they build their team is, there's just a step ahead of, you know, people with uh, it's pretty wild to watch. I love watching Sometimes the people
1: it like two different worlds. You have the old school and you have the, the analytics, but usually analytics are just a way to put a number, on what people have been doing and looking at for the past 50 years. Right. Um, so like before you, you might not see the crazy shifts, but people would know, okay, that guy has a tendency to pull the ball. We're going to be more ready for that. Things like that. It's just now you have a numbers so who say 30% of the time he's going to hit it there. So we're going to put a guy there. Um, so it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's merging the two. Um, and like old scouts would go by the sound of the bat. Now you have exit below but it's basically the same. It's just the guy before was estimating it because he didn't have the data. Um, but it's, it's just putting a number on the thing that they've been doing for a long time.
0: Forever, Yeah. You just perfectly said it. It's exactly what it is. Now. it's Now it's real numbers instead of, like you said, guessing, like the sound of the bat and you know, yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. And, uh, they, it, it, It boggles me how, you know, especially you guys in baseball just don't understand what the true value of it is like and how it can be applied. You know, they just uh, they shun it like it's just they think that, you know, it's just all like A-Rod would say, like all you know, uh, Ivy league nerds. Um, it's, it's, it's not that it's, (laughs) and the thing is too, the players are soaking it up, right? The players understand how valuable it is. The players are using it to become better players. And, um, it's wonderful. You know, it's wonderful to see even a team like, uh, you know, just saying, all right, well, Let's go to like heat maps, you know, where's, where can this guy who's up next, where is he weakest and which one of our pitchers best put the ball where he can hit it? You know, like you said, right. before it was an idea. Now it's quantifiable. Like you can look yeah. at it and really say, this is it. This is the matchup we need, we want. And, you know, uh, rotations and pitching, you know, uh, the piggyback ends all being built on that, you know, and it's it's just phenomenal to see. Like, I love it. It's, it's like people think there's less, um, um, strategy. And just it's actually more than ever,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different, yeah. Except putting a number on things. And the, the one thing I do find knowing the playoffs is the, the nine pitchers that come in that it, it slows down the game so much. And I think right. that, that might be part of it where people get upset, where it, it the the game takes four hours and a half instead of uh, three hours, getting pitcher come in every game, uh, every inning, sorry. Um, so there's, I think there's a few things, like the opener that scares the old school people, um, where the, the analytics take it one step further. But in general, it's just it, it's just the new concept where you put numbers on things that we've been doing for a long time. And then sometimes you take it one step further, but you, you have to get used to it and see what, what edge you can gain from it.
0: Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Phil, man, it's been a pleasure. I really want to thank you for taking the time out. I know we're all, you know, we all got stuff going on in our lives. So everyone who comes on to my pod, I just want to let them know how appreciative I am of, of you know, you taking time out of your day to come and bullshit some baseball with me. It's really cool. Oh, I appreciate it awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, definitely. Um, you know, I want to try to, you know, get guys on, con- you know, as consistently as I can and just even talking to them, about it just, you know, I think makes us better, of course. And it's just, it's just cool. It's just cool to meet people um, who are like-minded and, you know, we share the same same you know, thirst for, you know, competition and, and baseball and numbers and it's really cool. And everyone I've met, it's just been really super nice. You know, you you know, you've been super nice to me too. You've been really accessible. I've asked you a bunch of Excel questions and, you know, how to run queries and all this stuff. And you always just really, you know, I mean, we play in the same fricking league and you just took the time out to let me know, it got me the right way. And, you know, I just want to let you know that, 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 that goes a long way to me. Like it says more something about, you know, like everyone's ca- like your character and uh, it's really cool underneath all the competition, you know, we're all just, you know, trying to get along and have fun and, you know, make some money in the meantime, but it's, it's really cool. I want to thank you for all your help this year and, you know, for definitely um teaching me firsthand uh, and how to do fab. <laughs> <laughs> but uh again no
1: i really you have to win the dc overall uh...
0: <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna stick to dc so i don't have to make any moves <laughs> um and then hopefully um you know we'll all see each other sometime soon if we're yeah. going oh well actually you know what you made a good point before i didn't even think of that that you may not be able to cross the border
1: it's yeah just... i'm uh i i know before the it was a 14-day quarantine if you if you cross the border now i think it's it's closed i'm guessing They'll probably open it sometimes in the next few months, but it might, you might have to quarantine for 14 days when you get back, uh, oh which, uh, which I probably won't do because uh, with kids and work, it's a little complicated to uh, to stay home for 14 days, just for a three day weekend in New York, so. Uh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't love it that much. Yeah, that's just not feasible, yeah. you're right. Though. So
1: we'll that's see true. what happens, but cool. I, can, I can make it next year. <laughs>
0: yeah, 100%, yeah, so uh, again, thanks a lot for coming by. If you want to just um, tell everyone where they could find you on Twitter and um, all that fun stuff, anything else you want to, you know, plug or talk about, go ahead.
1: Uh, you can follow me at Phil, do so, the ussault 27 on Twitter. Um, I'll post on there. That the boring thing is I'm not an industry guy, so I won't post. I'll, I'll usually post all the guys I'm on and not on after my draft <laughs> so uh i'm not all that useful but i'll post some stats about fab and i'll reply to people and usually i'm, I'm more open to talking about guys that i like in the first three four rounds because i'll everyone's on those guys so it doesn't matter um but my my sleepers and i usually try to keep those no more secret because of the of the money involved and uh, of course
0: but I, I totally
1: to uh, uh,
0: totally understandable you know you can't give away the sauce and all yeah. that stuff you know <laughs> but just enough, but that's cool, man. I appreciate it. Again, thank you for coming out and, um, and talking to me today.
1: No problem. Thanks a lot.
0: All right. Cool. Phil sounds good, man. We'll talk again soon.
1: All right. Sounds good. Take care. All right.